Yo, yo, what up, what up? This is your life coach, Jacob Sokol, and welcome to WTF Should I Do With My Life, the podcast that is specifically designed for the people in our generation, like you and me, who are looking to figure out how to live with more purpose, more excitement, and more contribution while simultaneously navigating the unique challenges of today. I am currently in Bali leading our Dharma Dollars and Dopeness retreat, nine days long. We've got 15 amazing participants, and we are in the thick of creating some goodness, having some life-changing moments. And so I pre-recorded this because I'm a little busy with that, but uh, this interview is with Bria Anderson, and it's actually her interviewing me. Bria joined us for our last retreat in Bali, and I've been incredibly inspired to watch her journey and watch her stay so committed to living a path with deep purpose. And she dives in deep with me on topics ranging from how to live with more truth, more courage, and how to listen to your heart. We also talk about things like recalibrating through the challenges and crafting resilience and creativity when that fear pops up. We go into establishing our non-negotiables, and we also talk about the power of circulating energy in relationships. I'm really inspired by this interview, and I'd love to hear from you, so shoot me a tweet at Jacob Sokol, and let me know what you take away from this interview. All right, homie, let's do this. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to welcome you to this conversation with Jacob Sokol. He is uh, an incredible mentor, inspiration, teacher, and friend, and part of my life. And a little bit about him, his background, he is the founder of, and I like to say, chief like spiritual gangster of Sensify. <laughs> and Sensify is to me, Sensify is a community that he has created that's really rooted in opening people up to ask some of the questions of like, what the fuck should I do with my life? What do I want? How do I step into really fully rocking my purpose in life? And he leads it from the place of coming from leading from your heart, but then bringing the brilliance of your mind, like tapping into what you want, how you feel, what you want to feel, and then bringing your wisdom along to answer those questions and step into your purpose and just really live full on. And my journey with him so far has opened me up to clarity and experiences in my life that I, I hadn't even realized I dreamt of. So I'm incredibly appreciative of him and so excited to dive into some goodness today. So welcome, Jacob. What? what? <laughs> awesome. Thank you for the amazing intro and thank you for allowing me to be a part of your path and to see your evolution unfold as you courageously and consciously continue to put your heart and soul on this path. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I appreciate your warm words to get us started here. Mm, thank you, thank you, and you're welcome. So, the, really the first question that I am curious about um, is, with your journey in Sensify, kind of the how and the why. How did, how did you come into what you've created thus far, and why this path? Why this path through the container and the community that is Sensify? Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, I had a very adventurous childhood, and I say adventurous because it, it was adventurous, and also it was it was quite challenging. My parents got divorced when I was, I think, four years old. They had some addictions that they were struggling with, and uh, you know there was a long drawn out divorce. And um, my mom, I had brunch with her yesterday, you know, she was like, yeah, I remember when I just had six shopping bags to my name and you, and we were looking for a place to live. And, you know, it's funny, I can say that now with a big smile and some, some pride and, and maybe that's a dramatization a bit, but, but maybe not, you know, shit was kind of rough and we lived in all different, we basically lived anywhere we could. We, we stayed with, uh, um, you know, random family members, extended family members that I didn't really know that well, friends of hers, ex-boyfriends of hers. And this was 
when I was about six years old and it was just adventurous. It was just like, you know, it was not a very stable, uh, certain type of life. Um, that being said, I, I never was deprived of love at all. Like my parents both loved the fuck out of me and would, um, you know, I, I got that. So I never felt unloved. It just felt like, man, like this, this is kind of crazy. And I didn't really know that it was abnormal. I, um, but the reason that I, I bring this up in part is because I was introduced to all these experiences that you might say were challenging as a child, uh, that I, when I when I showed up for first grade class and the and the teacher told me like, hey Jacob, you know, just read this book and like Disney, you know, works this way and like all the the propaganda that they fed me as to what the American dream is and the way that life needs to be, I was kind of like, yeah, that's a bunch of bullshit. Uh, who are you fooling? Not me. And I'm like six years old, and I'm not exactly <laughs> verbal verbalizing this right, but that was just like my intuitive feeling it was like the way that you. You say life works doesn't actually work that way and you might be able to fool everyone else but deep inside I know that there's another way to live life and it's funny because 25 years later I still have that same sentiment in me which is like you guys are saying life needs to be one way but I see through that story I know that there's a deeper there's another more fulfilling way to approach life and I'm not going to buy into your narrative about how I'm supposed to live my life. I'm going to be true to what my experience is and what I actually want. And, you know, so that was, that's kind of been the journey. And uh, I'm really proud of both of my parents. My dad worked, you know, they went through a, a painful divorce and my dad worked two jobs. He woke up at seven in the morning and kind of or got out of the house at seven in the morning and went to be a dean in a public school for his first job of the day, came home, took a nap for a half hour or an hour, and then went to his second job, which was a, a professor at City College at night, and didn't finish work until 10 at night. So that was 20 years of his life. And this you know, was starting pretty much my parents. This happened around the time, I think my dad was 45 when they got divorced, something like that. So this is really later in life, but really showed me that through the challenges that come up that you know, there's a certain amount of just discipline and like keeping your head up and showing up for the job and being committed to something larger than yourself. And in his case, it was me and my sister that enabled him to have that strength to, to continue to move forward. And my mom, uh, you know, Amazing as well. We lived in a basement apartment that flooded in Flushing, Queens. And my mom reminded me yesterday. She's like, remember when I used to make a sale every once in a while? We got to celebrate with ordering Chinese food. Remember how exciting those days were? Wow. And it's funny. I do. I was really young. I do. And But I watched my mom also kind of on the come up and, you know just rebuild her life from from that situation upward and ended up uh, leveling up in her career. She went back to college. She took one class every night and, uh, excuse me, she took one night class every semester and 10 years later graduated with a degree when she was uh, in her 60s. Uh, in art history, just because she wanted to, I guess, have a degree and, and follow that growth that her soul wanted to have. Um, so, you know, these experiences, I know you didn't directly ask this, and I don't generally share this, but these experiences kind of opened me up to, listen, life is not the way that we're told it is. And whether you had, you didn't have my set of experiences, you might have had your own set of experiences that are, are abnormal. And the irony is, is that they're way more normal than we generally talk about. And you've definitely seen people, even if it wasn't directly in your life, that you know who kind of show like, yeah, you know, there is something different than the way people say life life is to how it actually is. And so Sensify for me was really about owning the fact that, yeah, okay, I made it into corporate America. I've got a good job. I've got money. I've got everything that I really want. You know, I'm 24 years old, but what I don't have that I really want is inner peace, is a sense of sustainable happiness, is to know who I am and, and what my purpose is and how to, how to, deal with this feeling inside that there's got to be something more when everyone tells me that this is it. And it was really pulling back from the wisdom of being a child that 
I, I learned like, hey, you know, there's, there's something else that I was able to, um, to bring forward and then take a huge leap into uncertainty and, uh, and navigate the process. Um, so I can tell you that was kind of leading up to Sensify. I can tell you a bit more about ultimately, you know, Sensify was if there's anything I can give back to the world, what would I want to give to the world? And it was helping people go from feeling what I felt. It was just six months earlier at that point when I had uh, left my job. And that was, my mind was out of control. I believed all my thoughts, and so I felt like I was crazy. I felt uncomfortable in my skin, like I could never really drop the mask and just be myself because mm-hmm. then you'd find out about that shame that I had that actually revealed that I wasn't a good enough human being and there is something fundamentally flawed with me. Uh, and then the guilt of why can't I just be happy when I, I know I have it good? There's definitely something wrong with me now. Um, so helping people kind of go from that heaviness, that shame, that hopelessness, that helplessness to six months later when I felt pretty much the complete opposite of all that. And if there's anything that I could give to the world, I just wanted to help um, with that. And that was kind of my intention for starting Sensify. How is that for a mouthful? (laughs) I was with you the whole way, just taking it all in. I loved it. And you know, Jacob, really what I felt through you sharing all of that is one of the things that I appreciate about you so much, which is just that realness, you know, like going with what you feel, speaking the truth and sharing it because you know, and you, you spoke to this, you know, that within that somewhere, someone is going to be able to connect and say like, Oh, wow, I can see this in a different way. Like these experiences in my life that I've had that sometimes feel crazy and fucking chaotic and messy and all over the place and not normal, quote unquote. There are other people out there that have gone through that in their version. Um, and for, for people to be able to see you, and I know for me to be able to see you still courageously stepping forward, you know, listening to what feels true for you and stepping forward and, taking risks and taking action to create this life that you desire to live, you know, those, what I see as lifestyle design, if you will, like, how do I want to feel? And how can I create a life that is in alignment with that? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of what Sensify has, and you as the the leader of this community has invoked in me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that big mouthful that you just shared because yeah. <laughs> it touched on all those different parts for me. That's great. Well, I appreciate you. And and it's funny, I don't consider myself a a leader of this community. I just consider myself someone who shares what is in my heart. And, uh, and somehow I've been lucky enough to bring together people who are amazing and who who have that similar desire and, and commitment to live from their heart. And to see what you're doing, to see how you're committed to showing up each and every day. I've said it a couple times before, but th- I mean, that to me is just as inspiring as, as anything that I'm doing. And, you know, it's funny because oftentimes when we, for everyone who's listening, when you, when you hear an interview like this or you listen to something and you're like, oh man, like that person just seems like, why would they ever want to talk to me? You know, they're so busy. They're up to amazing things. Like, you know, they would never take the time to talk to me. Um, actually, I found it to be that if you really are influenced by someone and you really dedicate yourself to embodying the work that they put out there, to using the wisdom that they share and taking it to heart and making your life a real live exemplification of that wisdom, and then you hit them up later and say like, I just need to let you know how much your work has changed my life. Like, Let me just share with you like, before your work, this was life. Because of your work, this is life. Um, that's a living proof example to them of their purpose in action. In other words, it validates the the reason that they do their work is because they want people to experience what you're experiencing. And by showing them that, you can really show them like, hey, your work actually matters. And that's insanely valuable to them. So, so don't overlook that. And, and I bring that up because, you know, that's what you do, right? You're doing right now with me, Bria, is you're like, you know, I've, I've just, I'm watching you having stayed on the path and stayed so committed to living these deeper ideas that we're both passionate about. And it's just as rewarding for me as it is for you. Mm. 
Yes, yes. Thank you for bringing that forward because I know exactly what you're speaking to in the work and engagement that I have with people in my life and in uh, with my clients. Just when they reflect back to me, the the changes or the clarity or the courageous steps that they're taking or the transformation that they're whether they're seeing it or I'm seeing it, it's it's remarkable to then receive that and feel okay. Yes. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. it is such a gift. It really is. I'm so with you on that. And, you know, part of what resonates, especially from what you had shared in that opening, it really stood out for me is this, when you were six years old and you noticing, and you said it as listening to your intuition. Like, I don't know if you had any concept of what that actually meant for you at that age, but to be able to reflect now and, and see that you did actually listen to your intuition and say, you know, yes, you can teach me this and you can say this, but within me somewhere, I feel a different possibility. I feel that this might actually be true for me and it may be a little different than what others are saying. Mm-hmm. So that idea of, intuition and listening to that. I know one of the common things that I have been exploring with a lot of depth and a lot of people ask me about is how do you discern between, oh, that's my intuition speaking or leading me versus that's my mind kind of trying to direct me in a different direction. Um, And do you have a physical visceral experience that happens when you can feel that it's your intuition or not? And what does that look like for you? Like, what is your experience of that? Hmm. It's almost like a gut check. It's like if I were to like take a, a set of keys that I have in my hand and throw them at you right now, like you wouldn't have time to think about how to catch them. You would just catch them, right? You'd be like, oh, okay, I got them, right? Like that's kind of intuition. It's like you can't really think about your intuition. You just kind of have to like, like respond to, feel it and then just, kind of notice what that first feeling is. So there is the classic, okay, well, if you were to breathe deeply here and then think about the idea that we're talking about, the idea of like, hey, do I want to do this? I should do this. Is that fear or is that intuition? Do you, when you think about doing that, do you contract? Do you shrink? Does you, do your shoulders come forward? Does your breathing shallow or the opposite? Do you expand? Does your chest kind of come forward? Does your breathing deepen? Do you feel expansive? So that's kind of one check that you can do is do you contract or do you expand? The next thing that I'll say is, Ultimately, it doesn't fucking matter. Ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, you're going to be good. Your life is going to be okay. And when you realize that no matter what you choose, that as long as you're present and as long as you're appreciative and gra- and grateful that you get to be alive, that it doesn't matter which option you choose, right? There is no perfect option. You'll have a hundred more choices to continue to choose options. We're not talking about things that are fatally dangerous the fear that we're talking about is really psychological fear not physical fear it's not like oh my god i'm about to fall off the ledge of this building and tumble to my death which is a very physiological fight or flight like whoa something is happening what we're talking about here is really a psychological fear it's really this notion of like oh my god they're gonna think i'm stupid oh my god my self-worth is on the line oh my god how is this going to make my reputation look or my track record look, et cetera. And when yeah. we get all of those things, like that's just all ego that do- it doesn't matter. We just can lessen the intensity of this feeling like we need to choose the right path. Like we don't live in a, in a society that, you know, you only get one career your whole life. It's not like 50 years ago. Like we change careers often. We change relationships often, sometimes. And you get infinite chances to continue to moment to moment choose what you want to create in your life. So just recognizing that. So, so one is, okay, do I feel expansive or contracted when I feel this idea? And to really breathe into that. Two is to realize it doesn't even really matter, right? Mm -hmm. And three is then I would encourage you to get into a practice of exercise or dance or movement or flow or anything that takes you physically into your body. And at the 
peak of that experience, ask yourself the question and listen to what the answer is then. Because at that point, you will be so in the flow of inspiration and creativity and movement that you'll be in a very clear place where your mind won't be muddled with this kind of heavy fear and anxiety. And you can trust what comes up for you from that place. Ah, yes. You know, talking about whether it's exercise or body movement, dancing, whatever it might be, like getting into your body and feeling what that feels like, you know, from our conversations and what you know of me, how much that resonates. And it's that experience of not questioning. Courage to listen to that and take that leap. And sometimes that involves taking action and then before you actually have full clarity of what that action might be rooted in or what that action might create or develop. And I'm always astounded by how much the clarity comes through um, in loads whenever I take that action from listening and saying, all right, yes, yes, my body's expanded, those different things that you listed, paying attention to that, and I take action and then clarity shows up. And, And one of the elements of that is sometimes the clarity shows up and it's it's fucking awesome. It's really light and bright and fun and exciting and and powerful. And other times the clarity will show up and it will feel like, whoa, check, mm. like re- readjust, realign. That doesn't quite feel the direction that I want to go into. So that is one of the things that you have really helped to awaken in me is sometimes taking the action before you feel entirely like you've got all your shit together, you've got everything in line and it's perfect and ready to go and and then, you know, launching whatever it might be or the decision that you're going to make. So the, those elements of sometimes take the action and then some of the clarity will follow. How has that propelled you forward in you creating your life? Like what elements of that really speak to you? Well, the whole thing really. And then when I think about my journey of being in a job that I had a perceived safety and certainty and security in, but knowing deeper in my heart that there was something that was missing in order to leave that job, I had to let go of those perceptions that I had of safety, security, and certainty and step out into the unknown without a clear blueprint of how to navigate without a very logical, um, game plan for where I was going exactly. Kind of had my base needs covered for a, a temporary period of time. And so this is not about just, you know, blind faith, meaning that you you don't take responsibility for your life. You do, you take ownership of that you ultimately, it's up to you to take action and to make moves and then to listen to what is the deeper truth within you and what is the universe showing you based on the, the feedback, the, your kind of experience of life. So I, I nudge people to, to listen to that and ultimately at every, in every person's life at some point, you're going to have to ask yourself this question. What is more important to me, the perception of certainty and significance or the growth that my soul is asking for? And if you continue to value certainty and significance over the growth of your soul, then I warn you that you will never be fulfilled and your life will never be what you want it to be. Right. And and that's okay, right? That doesn't mean that you're a bad person for that. It just means that there's something that you, your heart, your soul, your your curiosity, your intuition, the, the part of you that gets excited, something is, is being asked for there. And if you can go your whole life without ever scratching that itch, if that feels okay to you, if that feels like you'd be on your deathbed and everything is going to be okay, that you didn't make these choices, then then that's okay. Don't go for it. But I have a feeling that most people who are listening, you know, would regret, regret being on their deathbed and not having said, okay, you know what? I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know that I'll be able to figure it out and I'm going to go for it. Ah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, what that really speaks to for me, and I'm noticing this as I've come back 
home for the holidays um, so much of the time along this journey and continuing to come back into listening and choosing, okay, what do I desire? How do I want to feel in this life that I'm creating? What might that look like? Taking those courageous leaps, taking that action um, before I might have the full clarity, but just knowing and trusting that I am living fully committed to my greatest life and whatever that might look like for me. But one of the things that with coming back home, and I'm curious about how you experience this in your life, by me standing in my truth, a lot of the time I am met with people in my life that I care about so much that perhaps can't quite see or understand why I'm making the choices that I'm making. Maybe it's not the way that they have lived their lives. Like my parents, for example, I am living so far from the way that they lived and are living and and everything they could have possibly imagined. And even friends that I have perhaps been friends with for many years that have known me as a certain way, there can be rapid change and evolution and growth that happens when you're living in this way, like really committed to taking those courageous steps. So those people that are closest to me in my life, it can create some pretty intense tension um, or disagreement with the choices I'm making. Um, or even, I noticed this this past weekend, a little bit of a, a separation or what kind of feels like a dissolution of connection with those people that have been a part of your life for so long. So I'm curious from your perspective and your experience, how do you engage with that or... Um, what do you find when those things come up and it feels like quite the challenge? Like, okay, this is pretty tough. Do I continue to listen and, and take the steps from what I know that I desire and want to create? And if I do, what will happen with these relationships? Like, how do you engage with that? Mm, cool. So I would start by checking in and just realizing that the more that you look for validation, the less people will give it to you. It's this weird kind of paradox of the way the universe works. The more that you're looking for approval, the less likely you are to get it. But when you're self-approved, self-validated, people pick up on that energy and they give you back the energy that you're giving out to the world. But when there's that needy kind of, hey, I need you to let me know this is going to be okay, a.k.a. I don't really feel this is going to be okay. They're going to give you back that same energy of, hey, I don't think this is going to be okay. And so just realizing that. And at the beginning of going out into uncertainty, the reality is is that you might have that big doubt and that's normal. So how do we best deal with it at that point? Well, there's something that I've come to learn the hard way, which is that you can love somebody without them getting you. And that feels kind of crappy in in concept to me because it's like, man, but if they were to really love me, right, then they would need to really understand the depths of what matters to me and like what's true in my heart. And like if, if, you know, you really care about me, then I should be able to talk about those things and you get those things. But that's actually not true. It's not true. You can love someone without them understanding you. I love my cat, right? And like my mm-hmm. cat doesn't understand the depths of like my purpose, but we found a way to communicate love to each other where I don't have that expectation of him to really get me. Um, you know, and so the same goes with our family. The same goes with our friends. Like we can love them, but without them getting us, but we need to be conscious to stop looking for their approval and stop looking for their validation as to our life's choices. Now, that being said, there is a point where you do want to take an inventory of who am I spending my time with? Because our beliefs start to adapt to the people who we spend the most time with. And if we're constantly spending time with people who live in the reality of, dope shit ain't possible, right? Like doing amazing things are for a selective few. And when I say amazing things, I don't mean to generalize that you need to have some kind of, you know, celebrity looking Facebook feed on the beach, hanging out with beautiful people, like, you know, eating amazing food. Like, I just mean like whatever is amazing to you individually that society says 
isn't right, but your soul says is. Mm. And if you're constantly spending time with people who don't get this, it's going to unconsciously infiltrate your mind despite however much willpower you have, especially in those early vulnerable stages of venturing out into uncertainty. So the task really is, okay, well, how do I surround myself with people who know that something more is possible? How do I surround myself with people who are doing things that inspire me? And to really make that a high priority, you, I, I, spent, I spent nearly five years reading about personal development before I got this piece of wisdom here. And I wanted to spend time with people who really understood, um, who, who really lived in a, in a different way. But it just... It wasn't in my immediate circle. I, I don't know. I started reading about personal development maybe when I was 20, and it wasn't until the time I was 25 that I actually had a sense of of community and like, oh, wow. And the difference that that makes to have a tribe of people who are also at their edge and sometimes a couple steps ahead of you, it's just – it is where it's at. So I'd encourage everyone to just check in with themselves and say, okay, well, how can I spend a little bit more time or a lot bit more time – with people who enable me to to grow and inspire me to grow instead of telling me that what I want to do is not possible. Mm, oh my gosh, yes. I know speaking to that for myself, I have found that that, that space to feel um, heard and like there is an openness to even engage in that conversation and to be received and not necessarily, it's not really coming from that place of validated, but where you can have a conversation with someone and feel like, oh, you kind of get what I'm talking about here. You know, it helps to open up space to then be able to step into what you desire, what I desire, what I want to create and get that momentum going. And I have found that in association with, say, the other relationships in my life that maybe aren't necessarily um, a part of that space, like my family, for example. You know, they're not a part of my community of people in that are doing this work and choosing to live in this way. Yet I'm seeing that the more that I continue to put my energy into that community, make these choices for myself, grow, evolve, step into my clarity and my truth. Indirectly, I see shifts and transformation and change and growth within my family. Mm. And it and it's not even like I'm taking what I'm what I have in that community and bringing it to them and saying, "Okay, you need to be this way now too or you should do this or you should do that." You know, cuz oftentimes that's a question that people have for me that I love to bring to this conversation is okay, well, that's great if I'm in that community with those people, but then what about the other people in my life that are important to me that aren't necessarily doing that work in that way? You know, I've really found that the more clear I am and show up in who I am, it's amazing. It's almost like magic. <laughs> it's amazing to witness how my family and those the other people in my life that are so important to me also start to shift and change and see things in a new way and open up into more of what they desire in life and pleasure and what that means for them. And I feel like that is such that is really an ultimate gift that you can give to yourself and to others um, in that way. Have you found that to be the case in your journey too? Yeah, totally. So to exemplify, 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 that's like a new sense of <laughs> word we should use. Yo, we exemplify shit. Um, to exemplify what's possible and to break their understanding of the current confines of how life needs to be lived and give them permission through us doing what we do, giving them permission to, to do what's important to them. So yeah, completely. And then I see that in, in my life and my circle. And the another ironic thing here is that it, when we try to change people, it's like a recipe for disaster. But when mm -hmm. we just focus on like being true to ourselves and doing us, then we inadvertently change people because we show them that something is possible. Uh, so beautiful. And I'll just say, you know, there are people who I no longer talk to who were best friends at some point. And it's not that I don't love them. Like I can 
get an instant smile thinking of many friends from the past. It's just that our, our growth paths are different. Our, our soul paths, our spiritual paths are different. And that might be as mundane as saying like, you know, for me, I'm inspired to do work that helps people suffer less. And for them, that may, might mean, hey, I'm inspired to do whatever work I'm doing, get good at it, use that money to go out partying on the weekends. And just knowing that we're just in a different place in life and I can love them even without spending time with them. And that in in part, it kind of sucks a little bit because it's like, man, but I love you and I want to be on this journey with you forever. But at the same time, it opens up space for new people to show up in your life. And there's no resentment towards the old old friends. There's love and just checking in to see like, okay, am I on a path with this person that is enabling me to grow? And for, for some of my friends, you know, cause I'm, I'm kind of the crazy one, uh, in my <laughs> friends, not crazy in the sense, like I'm going out to bars and getting into fights, but like, I'm crazy in the sense that like, I'm going to Columbia to live there for two months. I'm quitting a great job. I'm like, you know, trying orgasmic meditation. Like I'm like doing all kinds of weird things. And there, there were and there are some friends who kind of just see that and they're like, yeah, I'm going to let him go experiment with that, see how it goes. And then once I see that that either works or, or doesn't, then I'll decide to do it or not. And, um, and I love, you know, all of my friends and I love the fact that, that they can come visit me in these crazy places in the world. Um, but it did require me to go first and, and I'm, and I look at them in, in their own life and they're growing in their own ways, whether that's relationships, whether that's career. Um, so just checking in and really, you know, feeling into like, do I feel nourished? Do I feel more filled up when I spend time with someone? And if so, it doesn't mean that they need to really get you fully or even, you know, say what you're doing is right uh, fully. But knowing that's probably a good sign and if you feel kind of empty and like exhausted after hanging out with someone else, it's probably a good sign that you can love them from afar. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you know, one thing about that is even just realizing that you can choose in those instances, you know, like you ultimately have that power of choice. Just being aware, like, oh, okay, I'm noticing more and more that when I hang out with this this person or these group, this group of people, holy smokes, does it drain me? Perhaps, I, like you just said, I love what you said about I'll, I can love them from a distance or love them from afar. Maybe not engage one on one with them quite as much, but even just to see what it is that you love about that person or that you appreciate about them. And it's not to say like, hey, dude, you totally drain me. I'm cutting you out of my life entirely. Like. Mm you're horrible, whatever, having those judgments. It's, oh, okay. I mean, thank goodness there are a variety of us in life, right? And that we're not all exactly the same because that would be so boring. But, you know, that you can make that choice. Oh, well, I now have the opportunity to engage and invest more of my time over here with people that I feel totally lit up and I feel really energized and I feel even more curious about things and I feel inspired and living in that place and and loving others from a distance. And, you know, one of the things that I've come to find in my journey, uh, especially more recently since I had chosen to embark on living nomadically and heading out to Bali for a few months and exploring what lights me up in life. And then now I'm going back to Bali again in January. And some of the people in my life, they often have this perception that like, oh, well, you know, she's she's found some kind of pot of gold and she doesn't really have any her life is just all rainbows and unicorns and puppy dogs and she's she's got she's been lucky and found that magic and she probably doesn't really have any challenges and life's just so blissful right it, there are a ton of challenges that come up along the way and i'm curious from where you are in your life right now just to give people an openness of perspective what are some of your greatest challenges that you're working through and how are you stepping into them and moving through them in your life right now? Great question. 
So I did a visioning process last night with Nadia, my girlfriend, and a friend of mine was leading it online virtually. And so we went through all these different categories of domains of our life, family, friends, create uh, sex, sex, self-expression, finances, career, et cetera, and kind of uh, ranked all of them. Um, so the challenges that are coming up for me, life has changed so much since I've distanced myself from the story of what is to be considered uh dangerous and irresponsible and like a sign that I'm not good enough or like I'm a failure. And since I've, I've just moved right through those stories and, and they still come up from time to time. But what I mean is that traditional narrative as to what it means to be successful and what it means to be responsible and in, in taking action and going out into uncertainty and, and living with a different with a different guide book for what's possible and what's allowed. Some of the things that are true in my life now don't bother me, don't freak me out. And if you would have given me the same exact situation two years ago or five years ago, I would have been like, this is crazy. Like my anxiety would have been through the roof. So, you know, what, what does that look like? Um, I recently launched a, a project that was a retreat for coaches and it was a idea I was experimenting with and just figured, well, I've done a couple of retreats. We've had a bunch of coaches on my retreats. Why not do one just for coaches and put it out there and heard crickets like nothing. And this wasn't like a disappointment. This was like a what the fuck? Just like <laughs> like a like a surprise. Like I'm like it wasn't like we had like a few people apply. There was like no people. It was like is the server broken? Like like what's going on? <laughs> and so kind of dealing with the reality of hey, I just launched a project and no one showed up. And so now what do I do? And then looking at the different options. Well, okay, well let's see what tweaks can I make? Why do I think this is happening? What's different about this project than my last project? Um, and seeing if I can find some data points or some information that I can then use to modify and then put more effort into getting this where I want it to be. And so I did that a little bit for about three days and then did another experiment of kind of bringing more people to the website and introducing them to the product. And again, crickets. And so at this point, I, I just realized, oh, well, it's just time to scrap this project. Like, cool. I threw it out there. It was an experiment. And it didn't go the way that I had hoped it, it would go. Um, but that's fine. This is just the life of uh, a business person. You try things. Or of anyone, really, you try things. You see how they go. Now, if I would have done this, you know, I, I'll say five years ago, but the reality is, is even three years ago or two years ago, maybe even a year ago to a degree, you know, five years ago, this would have meant that I'm not good enough. I'm on the wrong path in life that I should go back to having a corporate job that I should hang my head in the shame of failure, that I shouldn't talk about it. I should definitely try to hide this because it's going to mean something about me, my reputation, my credibility, et cetera, et cetera. That I should, um, that it was all a waste of time. I should regret doing this because it wasn't worth it. That the money that I did spend in investing in this project was a total loss, that I actually didn't learn anything from it. You know, this would be a mindset that I would have had because this is what society would have told me and and that's what I would have believed at that point but as i said you know having been on this path for some time and and been living in this way of my self-worth is not on the line this doesn't mean anything about who i am as a person one two is everything is an experiment in life when we take our self-worth out of the equation whether it goes the way that we hoped or the way that we we didn't hope either way it's just an experiment we're just getting data and nothing is a failure if we view every opportunity as a lesson that we can learn from it so okay well cool what can i learn from this experience what what did i do well what what did i not do well here um and 
then the reality of this means nothing about my my kind of purpose in life that like oh i'm totally off track i'm i should go completely in the opposite direction no it just means that there's some tweaking to happen here it's not like oh yeah i should go back to a career that doesn't fulfill me it just means like no okay like what changes can i make here and how can i check in with myself and check in with the market and talk to my customers and my community and see like okay well where did we miss here um, so this is a kind of practical example of how the challenges that would have felt life-altering a few years ago now, what did that entail? That entailed some sadness. There was a little bit of grieving. I gave myself about a day or two to just like, I watch Netflix one morning instead of working. I was like, oh, I just need to you know like be mm-hmm. with my sadness and just kind of zone out for a little while. And it wasn't that I was limiting myself to a day or two. It was just that was kind of my processing period. So often in life, we repress our emotions and then they stay there because we don't allow ourselves to process them. So by allowing myself to just say, oh, I feel sad. Oh, I'm grieving the death of something that I worked hard on. It was kind of like, you know, I had a miscarriage, you know, to be a little bit uh, dramatic here. But it's kind of like I was bringing this, this baby into life and somewhere along in the process, uh, it it didn't it didn't work out the way I had wanted to. It, it kind of died in that process, and and because it's because I allow myself to experience this without shame, without guilt, without feeling like this inherently means something about who I am. Because of that, I can just go through it, and it's like, all right, cool. Well, now that that's done, that's exciting because now I have space to create something new. So, what might that look like? Mm. That perspective of seeing the possibility that it's it's not like the end game when something this experiment that you've chosen perhaps quote unquote fails that like okay well shit I guess I'm done you know no there is the option to see it as well, what does that open up the space for okay maybe this wasn't what was what came to be but what can come to be now in this new space? And one thing that that reminded me of that I love, uh, I was listening to a podcast, Elizabeth Gilbert, she was interviewing Brene Brown and they were talking about failure and our perspective of failure. And she had approached it from, you know, that saying of what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Mm. And she was like, for real, I think Brene had said, I want to go around with a Sharpie and edit all of those bumper stickers that say that and shift it to, what would you do if you knew that failure might be a possibility, but you're still willing to step forward anyway? You know, mm-hmm. If and when failure shows up, okay, cool. I might recalibrate, readjust, change some of the parameters of my experiment and continue to step forward. And I love, uh, to me, that perspective is so much more spacious, right? Like you, you have more room to kind of play around and create versus attaching the value of self to whatever that chosen endeavor is. And then quote unquote failure comes up and it's like, holy fuck. All right, I'm done. Like that was my everything. That was me. That meant everything about me. So I am no longer me. I have no more me to give and share because it, it depleted it all. So there, that element of spaciousness and, Speaking to that, I'm curious from your experience and your journey, what are some tools or ways that you, maybe I can refer to them as a lot of people like to say the fundamentals, but practices that cultivate that spaciousness in your life? Mm, Great. Dealing with fear specifically and the possibility of failure. What you can do is an experiment or actually a practice called fear setting. Instead of goal setting, it's called fear setting. And what this looks like is you look at the thing that it is that you want to do. And so let's say in my case, run a retreat, right? Run a new retreat. And then we say, okay, well, uh, what, what, um, what's the worst case scenario here? Right. So what's the worst case scenario of running a retreat if it doesn't go the way I want it to go? Uh, Nobody signs up. Um, I lose some money. I look like 
an idiot. Um, whatever you know, your version of what it is that you want to do, come up with a list of here are 10 things that feel like, man, this the, these are kind of worst case scenarios. So that's kind of step one. Then step two is, okay, well, for each of these 10 different things, you go through them and you say, what is the how can I minimize the likelihood of this happening? And you come up with three ways for minimizing the likelihood of losing all your money, right? That'd be one on my list. So, okay, well, how can I do that? I can um, figure out how to use a retreat center that has a refundable deposit or a very low uh, deposit. I can not invest, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars into a video for the retreat, like a promotional video, I can do it, you know, more cheaply, uh, but still effectively, whatever you use your own kind of thing. So three ways you can minimize the likelihood of each of these 10 different things happening. And then the third column would be the third thing to do here would be, okay, well, even if this were to happen, what steps could I take to recover? So I get back to where I started. And so, okay, well, if I do run a retreat and I do lose some money, okay, well, what could I do at that point? Well, I could probably take on some more one-on-one coaching clients. It's not something that I normally offer as a service because I like doing my business in this really specific way that really enables me to have an open calendar and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I guess I could take on some one-on-one clients or I could do this or I could do that. So just looking at uh, those three things help with the psychological fear because there's the difference between the physiological fear of, oh my God, fight or flight, I'm actually potentially about to be injured here, and the psychological fear of, of ego and kind of this story that we believe that's actually true about life being dangerous when it's just us not being present to the moment and either in the future or in the past. So that's a very practical ac- exercise you can do. And then as far as supporting your overall physiological well-being and your just mental, emotional, spiritual, physical well-being, yeah, the fundamentals. So what are your daily practices for taking care of yourself? Are you meditating? Are you exercising? Are you dancing? Are you hydrating? Are you uh, taking in wisdom that really inspires you and helps bring you into a state of consciousness that you want to be creativity, inspiration, contribution, whatever that might be for you. Um, and so to take an, an, an inventory of like, okay, well, which of these things actually support me the most? And then how can I create rituals in my life that are non-negotiable that, um, it, that support me in, rocking these practices because these practices help keep me at my best and when challenges do arise because they will it's easier to navigate them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to me that speaks to i love when you use the word non-negotiable like discovering what those non-negotiables are for you and or for me and owning that like if i know that waking up every morning and sitting for my meditative practice is going to completely change the direction of my day or how I experience my day or show up in my day. And that's a non-negotiable for me. That's it. I'm showing up for it. Like there, I'm not taking it off of my schedule. I'm not allowing, Oh, well this happened and that might, might be more important. Like, Nope. It's non-negotiable. Totally. If you think about someone that you loved, right? Like, let's say like Bria, I was like, oh, Bria, can you like babysit my child for like two days when I'm out of town? I don't have a child, but we'll say like my cat or something, right? (laughs) Like babysit my cat. Um, And then you knew that in order to take care of this person, this child's well-being, that there were certain things that just needed to happen and they were non-negotiable. You need to feed this child three times a day. You need to tend to this child. If it starts crying, you need to make sure that this child is taken care of. And that's just just not a question. It's not, do I feel like doing this? How am I going to look doing this? I don't know exactly what the child wants, so I'm not going to pay attention to it. It's like, no, like you fucking show up and there's this non-negotiable, I have a commitment to this thing. And so to treat our well-being the same way we would treat a child's well-being, mm. how would you need to show up in your own life if you were going to take full care of yourself? 
the way that you would take care of a child because that's what we're doing. We are taking care of ourselves and when we do take care of ourselves, then it enables us to take care of others in the capacity that we're inspired to, to make the impact in people's lives in the way that our heart is really craving to instead of showing up and doing monotonous labor that that isn't actually meaningful for us. Yeah, that element of taking care of ourselves just like we would a, a child I believe, and I, I, I know that you do as well, that we all have that child within us. So nurturing him or her and caring for ourselves in that way. And, you know, the perspective that sometimes can be seen as, well, we, we should be selfless, right? We should, we should take care of others and give to others and take care of others before ourselves because that's what, at least that's how I was raised to believe, that that's the kind thing to do, you know. And it's not to say that we're not still opening up and offering to care for others from that kind place. To me, it's even more kind to show up to care for and take care of and offer to others from a place that within ourselves is overflowing and rich in resources and spaciousness to be able to offer to those people. So almost reversing and coming from what do I need to focus on or what are my non-negotiables that will fill me up to the capacity and overflowing so that I have that much to share with others versus I need to give, take care of, put out, you know, perhaps deplete because that's what is more kind. It's just a a reversal in perspective Mm. that I think is so powerful. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's funny because being selfish and selfless, to me, they're just the same thing. It's just two sides of the same coin, giving and receiving, two sides of the same coin. You wouldn't say, what's better, inhaling or exhaling? You're like, no, mm-hmm. you fucking need both in order to be healthy. And it's the same way with giving and receiving or with taking care of yourself and taking care of others. It's through that inhale, like, okay, now I've got something in me and I can give it back out. Right, but we wouldn't demonize our inhaling and saying like, "Oh, you're so selfish for only you know for for inhaling." It's like, no, I need to inhale in order to exhale. We need to receive in order to give, and it's really just the same process. And I think people fall short when they break up those two things into separate things when really it's just different parts of the same cycle. Oh, wow. I love that perspective. I never saw it in that way. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's it's the full, the fullness of the experience, meeting and they, the yin and the yang, like they complement each other. Yeah, well, what happens is because we live in a scarce society, a society that's constantly drilling messages into us about fear and that there's not enough and that you need to watch your back, is that when we take that inhale of receiving, we're like, we don't want to let it out. We want to keep it in because we're afraid we yeah. may never actually get another breath again. So we try to hold it in. And as a yeah. result of holding it in, that doesn't serve anybody. It doesn't serve us. It doesn't serve anyone else. But there's a flow. There's a, a circulation of energy or of wealth or of resources. And it's a spiritual perspective, I believe. You could probably look at it in an economic perspective or any other perspective. But for me, it's a, actually it's a spiritual perspective of circulating energy, circulating wealth, circulating goodness and kindness. And, um, and when we get that, it doesn't actually help us to keep it to ourselves. It's actually that the more that we give, the more that we keep we build a a stronger more potent energy cycle through our life that comes back to us the more that we take care of ourselves the more that we give the more we take care of ourselves the more that we give but not doing it from that place of scarcity of like oh i'm not going to be able to ever do this again or of man i really need to do this because if i don't do this then people are going to think badly of me and judge me which is often the people pleaser mindset or like, Oh, I need to do this in order to get love. So it's not actually a pure act of giving. There's a shadow intention there of no, actually I'm actually 
I'm, I'm, I, I'm saying that I'm giving, but really what I'm doing is I'm asking for your approval. Mm. And we've all done that, you know, at some point and continue to do at some point. But just being conscious of that, when we really get that there's a flow of energy here, then we can, we can breathe into that flow. We can kind of harmonize with that flow. And that speaks to, uh, to this great topic that you brought up. Mm. Wow. Thank you for that. This, this conversation and the things that we have dove into together has been so rich for me and I have a sense for everyone listening. Um, so many different tools and perspectives and uh, just resources for people to be curious about. You know, there may be some things that landed more than others, but uh, wow, this has been so abundant for me. I, I thank you so much. <laughs> I thank you too. Thank you for the great conversation and thank you to everyone who's listening. Yeah, yeah, you are welcome. Uh, one final thing that I would like to put out there for everyone and that I'm excited about is I love questions. I love being curious and asking questions in my life. I feel like it opens me up to new perspectives and new possibilities and abundance. So if you would, uh, to offer to everyone listening here, almost as a, a holiday gift to them, moving into the holidays and into the new year, a powerful question that people can ask themselves um, that can perhaps provoke thought in a new direction, open them up to possibility, um, just expand into spaciousness. Any question that comes up for you? I'm going to share a question right now that's going to be a little bit ridiculous. Amazing. And I generally answer a question like the one you just asked me thinking about everyone who's listening and thinking about how can I give a question that's going to be useful for the person who's listening. And instead, I'm going to actually go out on a home run swing here. <laughs> and I'm going to say, okay, if just one person gets something really valuable out of this question right now, then it'll be more than worth it. So here's the question. The question is, what would you need to do in life or in your career or in the work that you do in the world? Let's start it that way. What would you need to do in the work that you do in the world to be remembered 200 to 400 years from now? So you're probably going to have a hard time answering that. And that's <laughs> the whole point is to open up your mind to the possibilities of what would need to happen what impact would you need to make in this planet? Where is there a need that is waiting to be addressed by our humanity? What could be so meaningful? What could be so helpful to human beings or to the planet or to our experience of life that as a result of, of you working on this thing that in hundreds of years from now they would look back and say, yeah, you know, that person really did that, that meaningful, important work for the planet. Oh. Wow, that oof. I'm going to leave that question to take up the space that it so beautifully takes up <laughs> because that went above and beyond anything that I could have imagined for you to offer. So thank you so much for that. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you. And and feel free to email me guys. I'd love to hear if there's anything that you really got out of this interview. You can email me jacob at sensify.com. It's uh, S-E-N-S-O-P-H-Y. And I'll just throw in one more thing here as a way people can continue to engage in my work is that when I first got into personal development, I was kind of confused as to, well, what's real? How do I know that this is helpful? And there's a level of just trying it out and seeing. And then I also wanted to know, like, what's the best source of wisdom? And I came across a field called positive psychology, which is the science of happiness. So it's the neuroscience, the brain scans, the kind of latest and greatest in the technological sphere applied to our happiness, our fulfillment, our meaning, our well-being, our goal accomplishment, our overall kind of peace of mind, etc. And when I came across this field, I realized, oh, this is research-backed, uh, qualitative research about what actually is helpful in, in the realms of changing our life and being more fulfilled. And so I wrote a, a really cool little report on that called 12 Things Happy People Do Differently. And it looks at here are 12 really common things that 
when we do these things, the science proves that we are happier and more fulfilled. And the article somehow got shared more than a hundred thousand times on Facebook. It, you know, was the most popular thing that I've written in the last five years. And I'd encourage you to just check it out. And so the best way you can do that is going to uh, thankyoujacob.com. It's this little domain name that I purchased to make it nice and easy for <laughs> you to grab this. So thankyoujacob.com and you'll just opt in and grab a copy of this report. And, uh, and you know, as you sit with that last question, uh, another thing you can do is, is check this out and see which idea most speaks to you and then just make a commitment to uh, make that non-negotiable. <laughs> well, thank you, Jacob com for <laughs> showing up so fully to this conversation as you always do that's one of the things that i appreciate about you so much is you're here like you're you're fully present you're engaging you're 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 showing up you're being true to who you are and offering that i think that is one of the greatest gifts that we as beings can offer to this world so to you i say cheers to continuing to live courageously to taking some leaps from that truth of your heart and following with that wisdom of your brain and creating the space for people to have permission to step into that for themselves as well. So thank you. Ah, My pleasure. Well, I appreciate you and thank you for letting your heart beat and bringing us into a great conversation. And uh, yeah, lots of love and and thank you to everyone who's listening. I I appreciate you. And I know that if you're still listening at this point in the conversation that we are soul brothers and soul sisters. So a big hug goes out to you. (laughs) Hell yeah. All right. Well, until we connect again. Later. Soul Sibling, thank you so much for rocking with us. I appreciate you and I appreciate that you're using your time and your energy toward making yourself a better person and the world a better place. So if you'd like to keep in touch, I'd love it if you subscribe to the podcast and I'm excited to deepen our relationship to get to know each other better over time and to see how I can help you solve meaningful challenges and create your most fulfilled life. We've got a great community over here And we run retreats all over the world. We've got people who connect with each other and support each other and living the most fulfilled life. And what I'd suggest for your next step is to grab a copy of The 12 Things Happy People Do Differently. It's a scientific-based approach to happiness, and there's a lot of great wisdom out there, but this in particular is researched back from some of the world's leading positive psychologists in the world, and it's super grounded, super practical, how you could do these 12 things that happy people do differently and rock it. The article's been shared over 100,000 times on Facebook, and there's some magic in there. So in order to grab a copy of that, you can go to thankyoujacob.com. Sounds simple, and it is. Thankyoujacob.com, and uh, grab that immediately, and I will keep in touch through personal emails that I send out a couple times a month and all that goodness. So for now, sending you lots of love. Keep it real. Follow your heart, but bring your head. Peace.